Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm pleased to be joined today by Amanda Loudon. How are you, Amanda? I'm well, thanks. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. So, special Father's Day episode. Yeah. 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 So, uh, I hope you have some tissues nearby because uh, we don't know how this is going to go. But, um, but t- to remind people, you lost your father um, uh, last what? What month was that? Yeah about a year and a half now. Yeah. Yeah. Year and a half. And I lost my dad, uh, I guess about six weeks ago. So I just thought, uh, we should replay a couple memories, share a couple memories of our dads, particularly about athletics and your game for the idea. So, um, Yes. And I actually think, um, that our dads were separated at the hip. I really do. <laughs> oh, I, mean, I love that. I mean, separated, separated at birth rather. Um, because like the swimming parallels, it's almost freaky to me. No so. way. That's crazy. I didn't know that. I know. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, so you were talking a little bit about swimming and, and, you know, him inspiring you. And, um, I grew up on a lake and, oh. um, every day my dad would go out and swim like we lap, we called it laps. It was between, you know, like one, we had a float out in the water and then down, I don't know how far it would have been, maybe a thousand yards. There was another float and he would swim back and forth. And so, yeah. And so from a very young age, he was really um, invested in getting my brother and I to know how to swim. And so we were swimming really, really young. Um, But one of my standout memories is I had a fear of, I was a good swimmer, but I had a fear of diving. And Mm. we had this old wooden bouncy, diving board that was pretty high off the water and I can remember standing on the end of that for what felt like an hour and my dad sitting in a rowboat beneath it trying to coax me into diving so um I trust you eventually went right yes but I still just am horrendous at diving I just do not like it and never will well it's a skill it's a skill you don't need for running so that's that's good that's good oh my gosh I gotta say your description of that I mean that that I think is where my father is in heaven is in a situation like that because every time we would go somewhere if there was a body of water my dad was in it and that's so good and oh my gosh, my parents had these, um, were friends, sort of surrogate children almost of this elderly couple that lived in Manhattan, but and I grew up outside of Manhattan in Connecticut, and they had a beach house, I'm not even sure where, but it was somewhere not too far from our house. So typically once a summer, we would go there to Bill and Drew's house, and I can so vividly see my father swimming back and forth in the ocean, kind of it was in a little bit of an inlet, a tiny bit of one. And I was thinking about the other day as I was swimming in the pond that I like to swim to that's north of here. And I was like, yeah, I think my dad dug the exercise, but I wish I had asked him, hey, dad, did you do that so you could have some alone time? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, oh, the kids are getting kind of noisy and, you know, Margaret's asking me to do something. So I think I'm going to go out and swim. Good time for a swim. (laughs) Because I have, you know, it sounds like both our dads like laid down like, wasn't a rule, but it wasn't, uh, it was an unspoken rule. It seems that maybe like every day I get to do this thing for me. I get to yes. get to do my swimming and you and I both, you know, we're, we're carrying yes. it on, but on our feet. Yes, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And we both dabble in the water. So yeah. You know. Yeah. Oh, I love, oh my gosh. Uh, my swim on Sunday was one of the most heavenly workouts I have ever done. It just was the, uh-huh. 
the temperature was perfect and it was really high clouds because sometimes when you open water swim, you know, sun is a drag because then you turn your head to breathe and, and you're blinded by it. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I uh, assume that your dad might've been a better swimmer than my father. My father swam. I've said this before. He swam with his head out of the water, turning at every single stroke. My dad did too. <laughs> I was laughing because I, my dad did too. No, no. <laughs> I don't know how he did it. <laughs> um, and it, but that just made me laugh when I saw that. Cause like, oh my gosh, that was my dad too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and when you do that, then you drag your legs like they're, oh, yeah. they're two logs just hanging off behind you. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, so I vowed to... I knew it wasn't the right way to swim, but I just never learned the right way to swim. So when I uh, was in my um, first true job after college, I got, uh, it was a sports magazine, got paid nothing, just pittance. And, but the um, owners of it gave us a comp membership to a, a gym that was maybe, I don't know, a half a mile from the office because they of course got comp member, like it was a trade deal with ads, but so no one was paying anything. So, um, so, but they had a, this really nice 20 yard outdoor pool. And so I read a book, how to swim 30 laps in 30 days by someone cats. I don't remember her first name. And I read that book and I taught myself how to swim with my face in the water. That's so impressive. And, and, and sometimes, you know, like, I'm like, oh, who would read a book to learn how to do a sport? And I'm like, uh, Sarah, you you co-authored three books about how to do a sport. <laughs> you better get on board with that concept. <laughs> right. uh, your whole business is premised on that. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah I don't know I, I guess because maybe because people give swimming lessons so that would have seemed the more logical choice on how to, right, right. How to perfect the art of it um yeah yeah so um yeah I totally remember when my dad he used to play tennis and then he um came home one day and he announced to my mom that he was going to start swimming every day on the way home from work and um so but somehow still he got home at like Five thirty, six, something yeah, like that. Yeah. And he worked. Yeah. He worked at IBM headquarters, and uh, we were just uh, speculating that when we we're I was back home for my dad's funeral. We we're like, how did he manage that? Like they're kind of sticklers for that whole nine to five thing. So right, it's right. it's a mystery that went down with him. So um, yeah, and then he one time um came out to visit my first husband. I um in San Francisco. He actually had work down on the peninsula and uh so and then he was gonna come up and spend the weekend with us in the city and I, before he came out I was like oh dad so okay so I found this one pool and I found this other pool and he's like oh no no no, that's okay I don't have to swim while I'm out there visiting you and on Saturday afternoon around four he just got really twitchy and honestly I think I think he literally was twitching I mean that in a very literal sense of the word and I was like hey dad so do you want to go to he's like yes yes the pool <laughs> <laughs> so, so I come by my exercise obsession naturally. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, my father was a big believer that everything was hereditary, just everything. I mean, like for a while, it looked like my sister wouldn't get married. He's like, oh, well, we always have a spinster in the family. Uh, my, my father was of a certain age that he would use the word spinster. Yes, sir. Yes, that's great. She's, probably, like, she's probably all 23 at that point. Right. <laughs> I'm like, um, dad, you know, I think not getting married, choosing not to get married. I don't think that's baked into your chromosomes. <laughs> but, so uh, my brother and I particularly will always look at each other and we'll be like, 
must be genetic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, oh. yeah. So, um, and one other thing I want to say about my dad, and, and it's not related exactly to athletics, but it's related to the business. And um, I have to say that my dad was so proud of what Dim and I did with another mother runner have done with another mother runner. And he just really marveled that he had an entrepreneur as a daughter and um, he himself was in marketing originally. And um, so he loved hearing about our partnership deals. So, and he, like he, he and my mom met sort of because of um, association with the American gas association and both their business dealings with it way back in the day in New York city. And um, so I knew that he would be thrilled when we started talking to Chrysler because, you know, like, mm. I mean, I could show my dad what noon tablets are, or what goo is. And like, he could, you know, he'd be, pr- he'd be proud of that. And, but, right. you know, to be able to like, Hey dad, Chrysler wants to partner with us. Like no right. explanation needed for what Chrysler is. So, and like, oh. I took a couple of the phone call. It was quite a long process to um, start that, that partnership. And so I had like one of the calls at my parents' house. And so he loved hearing about it. And so then I was so pleased last, I guess it was November maybe that we signed the deal with Chrysler. And I was like, dad, dad. And I always liked having specific news for him. Like, I don't know if when you would talk to both your parents at the same time on the phone, sometimes, I don't know, like I wanted to like give my dad a nugget that he could have and that he would yeah. be able to tell just my mother. Cause I would sometimes talk to them separately. And, and, um, uh, so anyway, so I told him, Oh, he was just so proud. So I was really, and I knew at the time I was like, Oh, thank heavens. We signed that deal. We clinched that deal before my dad left this earth. So yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, uh, uh, we're talking, like I said, we're talking about our dads because this is a special Father's Day episode. And in the past for Father's Day, we've um, had quote unquote famous father runners for Father's Day. We had Tom Foreman of CNN. And last year we had Peter Sagal of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, that NPR show. But in this this year's, um, I really appreciated people going after Chip Gaines on Twitter to try to land him. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that was a no-go. That was a non-starter. Thought about getting Sean Astin thought about Scott Jurek, which might still do that one day. But um, instead, I decided, you know, that I think some of our, um, some of my favorite episodes of Another Mother Runner are when we talk to, quote, regular moms. So I was like, well, let's talk to regular dads, regular father runners, and maybe in hopes of getting some tips and insight and anecdotes and, you know, um, like... They're just like us, except they, you know, wear a jock strap instead of a bra. So, <laughs> so uh, we will talk to three dad runners after this break. Stay with us. All right. Well, we're starting out on the hardcore end of the father runner scale with our first guest, who's named Ty Francis. This single dad of three young boys has taken on in the past year an Ironman triathlon and several trail races. Ty lives in Lander, Wyoming, and he's a, where he's a physical therapist. As a divorced dad, he juggles training and caring for his sons every other week. Welcome to the show, Ty. Thank you. Good to be here. So, Ty, I understand you have three sons. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about their ages, and then and then tell us a little bit about your custody situation. Okay, I've got um, three boys. Um, two, I've got twin boys that are seven and a half, oh. and I've got a little guy that just turned four. Oh. And, um, so oh, about a year ago, got divorced and we do 50, 50 custody. So pretty much week on week off. Wow. So I have, yeah. I have, uh, twins who are almost 13. So I, I know, oh, wow. I know the situation you're in. So, um, all right. So tell us a bit about your running, um, background, including the races that you've done this past year. 
Um, the past year, um, <clears throat> I've done, I did two half Ironmans last year and I did a 50K trail race mm. last year. Okay. And um, I, uh, I played college football. I played wide receiver um, at a small college. And so I was always into running, but it was all sprinting. And then you get done with college and the shortest race is a 5K. And I wasn't really a distance runner, but wanted to be. And um, uh, had a few injuries every time I tried to increase distance and stuff like that. And then two years ago, I went to a running clinic and really worked on running technique and then made, made some big jumps um, where I went from running, you know, at most a half marathon and then to training for the 50K. And then once I'd done that, I thought, well, time-wise, if I could do a 50K, then I can do a half Ironman. And so then I did two half Ironmans. Wow. Wow. And then on Saturday, I'm signed up for a 52-mile trail race. <laughs> what, a, um, what a funny distance. So, yeah, may as well just jump 20 miles from the 50K. <laughs> I think they, they would have liked to have made it 50, but the the distance just didn't work out any way they tried to do it. So, so it ended up being a 52. So, Ty, tell us, how do you juggle training for these pretty big races um, while being a single parent of three young kids every other week? Um, it's more, uh, when I was younger, I used to just be competitive and I wanted to do things that I had a chance at winning. And, you know, with parenthood, you realize, hey, I'm not a full-time athlete anymore. Um, I had to finally just wrap my head around, this is how much time I have available and I'm just going to make the most of it. And, um, and, you know, with that much time and training, I'm not going to be competitive, but Hey, I'm out there and a lot of people aren't. So I'm, you know, just satisfied with that. And so, um, you know, when I've got the kids, um, try to put them to bed around eight, eight thirty, And then, uh, I usually ride my bike trainer at night, mm. um, which then keeps me up till pretty late. Uh, a little hard to sleep after that, but um, I ride the bike trainer at night when I have the kids, and then on nights I don't have the kids, I try to run on those nights. Okay. Wow. So, I mean, for a half Ironman, that's you're on that trainer for a long time. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, um, you know, I'm just doing what I can do. Mm -hmm. So it's like, um, and, and I'm a physical therapist too. And I always kind of, one of my mottos when I'm trying to rehab injured people back so that they can do something, you know, an endurance event, I, I tell people, Hey, it's better to be healthy and a little bit out of shape than fit and injured. Mm. So, um, I kind of just try to follow that same thing. It's like, here's what I can do. Um, yeah, it'd be nice if I could get some of those five-hour rides on the weekends and things like that. But a lot of times you can't. It's just like, hey, I've got an hour and a half. I got to take advantage of it. So um, I, I'm probably undertrained quite a bit for most of the stuff I enter, but I'm just happy to be out doing it. Yeah, and like you said, not injured, and that counts for a lot. Yeah, yeah. Like you can suffer and be sore and stuff like that, um, you know, for a day. Mm -hmm. And then maybe be sore for a few days afterwards. But um, but if you get an injury, then that's, you know, weeks and weeks. And, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, the season is not that long. So I'd rather be um, as good a shape as I can and healthy and be able to do more events through the summer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So, okay, so let's back it up a little bit. Did your training change after you went through the divorce? I mean, were you able to have more freedom with your schedule when you had uh, someone to co-parent with? No, um, it was me. I was pretty much the primary person oh. during okay. um, the marriage. So, um, you know, then doing the 50-50 thing, now I have days that I actually could do stuff. Because mm. um, before it was just me parenting, you know, nights and weekends mm-hmm. um, and not really having time to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um and that, and that's why I originally bought the trainer, um, because I could at least do something, um, even though it meant staying up later, mm-hmm. but at least I didn't miss out on anything with the kids during the day mm-hmm. or the week. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I could at least sacrifice some sleep for some, uh, <clears throat> some fitness. Right. Right. And then, uh, after the divorce, um, you know, then I had, a lot of time on my hands. And so that was the other thing too, is, um, you know, I'd never been without the kids. So miss the kids. And mm-hmm. so I would, uh, you know, sign up for something that's going to take me all day. So I can think about that and not, not missing my kids, you know, Aww. So that's kind of how it started. And <laughs> then, um, and then I jumped, you know, to the 50 K and the two half Ironmans. And then I also did a, an Everest challenge on the bike um, where you climb 29,000 feet of elevation in a get in a day. Oh, wow. And, and that took me 22 and a half hours. Um, I did that on a, on a trainer on a virtual ride. Oh my and God. so that would be my weekend. So the weekends I didn't have the kids, I would just do something really hard oh, wow. <laughs> that would take up the time. Oh, wow. And so, so to, to, so the people hear this, I mean, so that you start doing these endurance events to take your mind off the fact that you missed your kids. That is, that's really very touching. And so let's, um, switching gears a a bit here, you're a physical therapist and, um, how does that impact how you approach running? Um, I'm guessing you're pretty diligent with your strength training and your prehab routine, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's, um, um, the big thing is, um, uh, when, when my twins were born, um, was the first time I started thinking about doing more endurance stuff. And so I was actually running with them in the stroller, pushing them in the stroller when they were little guys. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, I came up with this occasional sharp knee pain that would start and over the years got more and more frequent and kept stopping me from doing longer distance things. And you know, I'm doing all that I know as a physical therapist, um, to treat that yet it wasn't getting better and, um, saw, uh, some different, um, other healthcare professionals over, over several years. And, um, I didn't hurt to lift weights. I didn't hurt to sprint. I didn't hurt to jump. Mm -hmm. Um, but when I'd run distance, it would consistently hurt. And a friend, said, um, Hey, do you want to do a trail run race tomorrow? Um, (laughs) like a five and a half mile trail race. And, and this was when I was still married and I was like, I'll just say yes to any of that kind of stuff. So I said, yes. And then my wife says, uh, you can't even run a mile and a half a lot of times without hurting. How are you going to run this trail race on uneven ground? And I said, well, you know, if it starts hurting, I can always drop out and walk. And I ended up running the whole thing without pain. And I realized, um, the knee thing was coming from 
my running technique when I was doing repetitive stuff on, uh, uh, on flat roads. Hmm. And, um, so that's how I got into the trail running and then put it together that, Hey, it's something with my technique. So I was actually, uh, able to go to a running clinic with, uh, Eric Orton, the born to run coach. Yeah, since you're um, he lives in Jackson hole. Um, and I went to a three day clinic with him and really worked on my running technique. And, um, that was pretty life changing, you know, going, you know, from hurting to being able to run longer and longer distances without pain. Um, So uh, then that's what I work on with patients too. It's like more about technique, um, get your run quality better, then you can do all the distance you want. But, um, you know, don't sacrifice form for, uh, uh, for distance. Mm -hmm. And, and I see, especially when people are going into the longer events, it's there's lots of stuff out there on training plans assuming you already run with good technique Mm. but most people don't and if you have faults in your running technique you definitely find that when you start adding distance Mm -hmm. you know you're going to come up with an injury Mm -hmm. so uh so that's more every time i run you know even though it might not be as long as i'd like i'm always thinking about work on my running technique make it better um, because then it's like if my running technique's good and I'm out of shape and I get into a, an event that's over my head, but I can maintain that running form, I might not be fast, but hopefully I can finish, mm-hmm. you know, and not be injured. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a good note to end on, Ty, because I know you have to go see a patient. So um, happy Father's Day and thanks for joining us. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Well, our next guest is a father of two whose name might be familiar to careful listeners of this show, Michael Goff. He's a longtime friend of mine who has a connection to both Dimity and me via Colgate University Rowing. Um, Michael and I were the same year at Colgate. He was a coxswain of the men's rowing team when I was a rower on the women's team. A marketing executive who lives in the suburbs of Boston, Michael is a newer runner who completed his first marathon, Philadelphia, last November. At long last, Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sarah. And hi, Coach Amanda. How are you? I'm well. How about you? Awesome. Good. I'm excited to have you here. So, all right. Uh, remind me and us, Michael, of the ages of your two sons. So I have two boys with my wife, Marsha, uh, Alex, who is 21, and Spencer, who is 17. They're both going to be seniors in uh, college and high school, respectively, next year. Nice. Mm, now, um, so you're gonna be you're gonna be an empty nester next year too. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about um, your athletic background. Um, I know that Philadelphia uh, was your first marathon, and you followed one of our plans. Absolutely. So I would actually describe myself as more athletic-ish than athletic, um, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, so I've always been active and, you know, played tennis and soccer growing up and in high school, um, did my first couch to 5k in 2012, but really started consistent running back in um, June of 2015. So coming up on my run anniversary. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's actually been pretty exciting. It's after the couch to 5k, it was sort of intermittent 5ks, a 10k in there, here and there. But, um, you know, I actually started running with a couple of friends. Um, Bammers, uh, my friends Karen and Amy, um, yeah, right before school ended, and um, stuck with it ever since. So I'm really excited about that. 
I have to say that was one of the questions and I'm going to just jump down to it because I love that your, I thought your typical running partner is your, is it your cousin or isn't she somehow related to yeah. you? Yeah. 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 So my cousin Emily is my um, BRC, my best running cousin. <laughs> and um, she, she actually, um, I'm trying to think, I think she had talked to me and seen that I had been running somewhat consistently. And I think it was about two years ago. We both did a local 5K, actually in Hopkinton, uh-huh, you know, the start yeah. of the Boston Marathon, uh, even hilly for a 5K. Um, so we sort of started doing some races together. And then last year, we agreed that we were going to do the um, BAA medley together. And that was a lot of fun. So we did the 5K in April, marathon weekend, the 10K in June, and the half marathon in October. Um, so we we run together um here and there, like sort of training, she lives, you know, probably 30 minutes away. So that makes it a little difficult. She's got younger kids than I do. Um, but, you know, virtually, you know, and through Strava, of course, keep tracks of, of how everyone's doing and cheer each other on virtually. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're just going to throw these questions in, in, in a scrambler because we're going to now go in out of the order that I wrote them because you it's um, so first of all, OK, so you typically run in person with women. And then, um, you definitely have, you know, you are, are an integral member of the train, like a mother club. Um, as much as we allow men in, you have your own, um, run like a father Facebook group that that's a little smaller than the AMR <laughs> one. <laughs> um, but, but you, re- you really, um, it seems like you dig Strava a lot. And, um, I mean, kind of what do you draw from that community and, and, um, like, do you ever wish there was like, you know, another father runner so you could just hang with a bunch of dudes? Well, yeah. So I get my fill of that, obviously through through the uh, "How Was Your Run Today" podcast, uh-huh. and I know you guys had a great time on that with uh, Brian and Peter. Uh-huh. Um, but honestly, you know, it's really funny. Um, I'm very introverted, actually. But two things change that dramatically. One is when I'm running. So my cousin Emily, the first 5K we did. She's like, why are you talking to all these people? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I am just happy to be here. And, and I, I am so much more chatty when I'm running. And, you know, I think, you know, we've chatted about this, um, you know, online and through text and whatever, but, you know, waving to people, saying hi as you run and sort of you know, just happy to be out there. But it's really interesting on social. I think those endorphins carry over. Mm-hmm. And for a while, I actually implemented a rule no posting for like an hour, like after the endorphins died down a little bit. Cause like, it was sort of like drunk texting. Cause I'm like, yeah, crazy. Um, and you know, but like, there's just something about it. And obviously even talking now about running, I can feel the endorphins. I, I looked at my heart rate on my Garmin. It's definitely up a little bit. Um, but t- totally love the community that you guys have built on, on Strava, especially because obviously you know, the uh, Train Like a Father group is good, but not as chatty as as the Train Like a Mother club uh, groups. Uh-huh. Um, but I actually, through Strava, you know, developed a really nice friendship with a couple of uh, Bammers, Robin and Barbara. Uh-huh. And, you know, we have since, um, you know, become Facebook friends. We have our own little group chat going, uh-huh. um, hashtag always forward. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's, it's just really nice. And then, you know, Twitter you know, uh, has been good for that too. And, you know, a lot of your followers, you know, will chime in on conversations and I've gotten to know them, mm-hmm. you know, virtually and then on Strava as well. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, so Michael, um, you took on a marathon this year, um, your debut marathon in middle age. 
Um, it's a situation that I know a lot of our listeners can relate to. So tell us about um, your 26.2 experience and how it didn't really turn out as you had hoped it might um, during training. Kind of, kind of fill us in on that experience. Sure. Um, so it's funny, you know, starting at a couch to 5K, you know, my first 5K was like so horrible that I reran it two days later because I was just really unhappy <laughs> with the way it went. Um, obviously, you can't do that with a marathon. But what, when I look back at it, what I really liked, A, was, you know, your plan and, you know, sort of your availability to answer my questions um, and things like that. Um, but I just really love the training. And it's funny because now when I'm driving around Boston and I'm down by the Charles or going through the hills of Newton, you know, where I spent a lot of miles in the summer training, like, I, I just feel like I really want to be out there again. But I had like no set goal when I started this running thing out of, of doing a marathon. And it was really only, you know, sort of this slow, steady progression of, you know, sort of building up, trying new things. Obviously, you know, hearing all the bammers on your podcast talking about their experiences and thinking, you know what, I, I think I'd like to try that and I'd like to do that. And i um, really glad I did. And, you know, as you pointed out, it did not go the way I had expected. And I went in with very low expectations. You know, let's be clear about that. Um, took your advice very much to heart about not focusing on the time, focusing on the experience instead. Um, but based on my training times for my 18 mile runs, I'm like, okay, I, I have a rough idea of where I'd be really happy if I finished, but I don't know if it was the weather or the wind or whatever, just exuberance. But um, yeah, it took a while. Mm -hmm. It took a while. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, we won't make you, you know, um, confess your time on here if you don't want to, but, <laughs> but that, um, you know, how, how, how did it feel to finish toward the back of the pack? Um, I think it's something that um, some people in our crowd can relate to. And so, um, you know, would love to hear your, your thoughts on that. Yeah. You know, it's funny early on in running, Marsha got me this t-shirt. It's like an Under Armour shirt. And on the back of it, it says, don't be last. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't wear that shirt anymore because I hate it because <laughs> there are, there are people who are going to be in front of me and there are people that are going to be in back of me. And it absolutely depends on the day. Mm. And I was just so happy to finish that. Yeah. Um, and I, I think um, as you guys probably saw in my race report on the train, like a father page, you know, I, I was shocked. I totally broke down crying mm -hmm. and, you know, I saw my family and, you know, that was the best part was, you know, Marsha and Alex and Spencer being right there at the finish. Not hard to pick me out because I was <laughs> one of the last ones across the line. Not didn't have to pick me out of the crowd. Uh -huh. um, and then, and then it was easy to find me right after the race and we all hugged and cried and, you know, it was just, it was awesome. It, it was, you know, uh, such a great experience. And I definitely want to do another one, um, you know, sort of going back to my first 5k, not quite as easy to run another 26.2 two days later, if you don't like the result. <laughs> we don't advise that. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, but you know, I, you know, in my mileage certainly hasn't come back to where it was last summer, but you know, I, I'm in the 13.1 plan this summer. Um, Coach Amanda is helping me sort of adjust that plan a little bit because I have my eye on the runner's world half in Bethlehem. Mm -hmm. uh, my oldest Alex is at Lehigh. So I thought for a senior year, that would be fun to do that race. And then I saw they had all the other races and being a little okay. ridiculous. Thought, you, well, let's you, do the trail race on Friday and the five and 10 Ks on Saturday and 
13.1 you're a you're Sunday, a sucker so for you're a sucker for those races that are all grouped together there you know like that 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 and you like your baa thing you're like yeah give me a package of races that's what i want <laughs> well you know what i like the fact that you know it's sort of like the bucket list for me because ever since i heard about it like that would be really cool and, I, and we've really come to love bethlehem mm-hmm. um since alex started school there um, and I've run there when we went out to visit and did the 10K course. Um, I think I'd reached out on Twitter and Bart Yasso chimed in. He's like, oh, yeah, do the 10K course. I'm like, okay, that sounds fun. <laughs> and, it, and it was. It was beautiful. But, um, yeah, you know, I just like to be told what to do. So, you know, follow Amanda's plan, <laughs> you know, listen to what you guys advise on the podcast and, you know, just show up and run and it's going to be what it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, well, um, it's Spencer that's the dedicated runner. Is that right? He is. Yeah. He is. So, he is my uh, my high schooler who runs, well, up until this year was running three seasons, but he took this winter off so wow. he could get a job at Chipotle. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Um, get some... Get, extreme job. Right, right. Um, so do you, do you and Spencer ever run together? And do you have the feeling that becoming a runner has brought you two closer together? So we don't run together um, primarily because, um, you know, I tend to get up really early. Mm. You know, I like running early in the morning today aside because mm-hmm. uh, I just couldn't get out of bed. But I oh. like you know, just getting up, starting my day, running early. Uh, he's a teen, so that doesn't work for him. Right. You know, he's used to running with his team in the afternoon. Um, and I have said to him, I'm like, I need you to pace me. You know, just come on out. And he's like, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> so but... But by the same token, it's great conversation, you know, driving him to school in the morning. You know, how was your run this morning? You know, what'd you do? You know, and we'll talk about speed work. And he actually knows much more about it than I do, uh-huh. you know, despite the great education that you guys provide. <laughs> um, you know, so, you know, so I'm like, now what's a pickup again? <laughs> so all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it, it definitely has uh, brought us together more. And um, even Alex, who's actually at Lehigh this summer, told us, uh, we talked the other night that he out, went out for a run, which is rare for him. He did cross country for a couple of years, but um, not his thing. <laughs> wow, wow. So, so Michael, I'm surprised to hear that you slept in. What, what was it? A late night, a late Tuesday night for you? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I was at a conference earlier this week, and you know, um, I think I'm probably still a little tired from Colgate reunion a couple of weeks oh, ago where yeah. I stayed up to like 12 o'clock, Sarah. Oh my gosh. You know. Oh my gosh. And, <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and Jack was just getting started. Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> truly, pretty much. Truly pretty much. I think so. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I should say that. Yeah. So, so that, so that you, you know, Jack, my husband, cause he was also class of 88 at Colgate. And, um, so yeah, so you guys sent me some, some selfies that you two took Good. together. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I could see you still being. Got a very nice hug from Jack at the class dinner. <laughs> <laughs> he's a he's a big hugger. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I didn't know that until we went to ten year reunions together. That was uh when we were first dating. And um the next day I was like, Oh, so who's that guy in that green shirt? He's like, Um, I don't I don't know why. I'm like, Yo, I gave him the nicest <laughs> hug. He's like, I don't know. <laughs> so So of course he knew who you were, but he is uh his his inner hugger comes out at reunion. I don't know what it is. Absolutely. <laughs> Everybody's just so happy to be back in Hamilton, New York. Right, right. During yeah. uh incredibly hot weather. Did you go uh running when you're back at the gate? 
Absolutely. So okay. I went with my freshman roommate, Darian McFadden, sure. and we've made a habit of going um, fairly frequently, you know, for the last few years. And uh, he is, he actually was on the rowing team senior year, but sadly he never uh, did his swim test. So we couldn't actually ever get out on the water. Oh my gosh. That's, um, that's, that's a whole other story. Hold like on. We, that, have to, we, we talked about yeah. swimming in the intro. We have to take a little side journey. Amanda, you would so Colgate, correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, when I tell this story, but that, that the um, natatorium, the swimming building yeah. and the swimming pool was a large number amount of the funds for it were donated by um, a family whose son tragically drowned during as the story goes during senior week right before he graduated from Colgate is that oh. yeah and so um, so they wanted to make sure that everyone who graduated from Colgate would know how to swim and so you have to pass your swim test before you can graduate and they'll like give people blank diplomas if they haven't passed it and then they can take like a class at the Y that summer to get as if someone as if a potential employer is going to say hey can I see your diploma please but um so uh but uh so yeah and I was such a rule follower that I did my swim test on the very first day of absolutely yeah were you right let's see but yeah but I was B then and you know Bowen and so golf so we probably weren't in the pool at the same time oh yeah I went straight from getting my um student ID photo taken. ID. Yep. Yeah. oh my gosh Michael we are like cut from the same cloth oh my gosh <laughs> Um, but yeah, so but then to you're not shocked, yeah, right? Um, but so, I'm not actually. So we're type A rule followers. Come on. So so then, um, but yeah, so to be on the rowing team, um, I guess to compete is what you're saying that you had to pass your swim test. And oh my gosh, do you remember before we went a road trip? I'm sure you remember this to Florida for the first time. The whole. T- men's yeah. and women's team went down what a nightmare that was um and um there we were delayed leaving by like an hour because there were all these kids who had to do their swim test oh my god absolutely and there was and there was well, that kid ken who didn't pass it yeah <laughs> and i and i will say you, you weren't there the following year uh-huh. but we actually sank a boat Oh, so right. you yeah. you did know how to swim. Yeah. You need to know how to swim because it was not good. Yeah, it was not good. Oh, we'll, yeah, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, and sinking <laughs> and sinking a boat in rowing is not all that uncommon. The uh, my former rowing team um, in Marin, California, they uh, sank a boat at a um, head race in Sacramento, and so yeah, I mean. My, my grandma's fears of me drowning while being a rower, I guess, could have come true. But um, yeah, so, okay, so you you and your freshman roommate, back to the, <laughs> sorry, okay, we're back on the road. <laughs> so, so, so despite the fact that I never got onto the water, it really opened him up to going to the gym, not running so much, but, you know, working out. And he is a workout fiend now. So literally, we arrive on campus, had lunch, and it's probably two or three o'clock. It's like, okay, I'm going to the gym. He's like, right. are you going to go for a run? I'm like, oh, you know, I'm not so sure. Uh-huh. He said, I thought you were telling me how great you feel after you run. I'm like, ah, all right. Yes, I will go for a run despite wow. having like a five-pound turkey sandwich in my stomach. <laughs> um, it was so hot and so humid. That's what I And heard. I for, I mean, I know how hilly it is there, but my muscles forgot. Even though I ran there this winter um, when I was up there for a hockey, uh-huh. uh, hockey game um, in the winter, it was not the hills were fine, but the coolness was better. <laughs> um, but it was brutal. And then I ran again 
Friday morning, uh-huh. um, not so much on the hills, but it was still humid, and you know, I only brought one pair of shorts, so that, that was, you know, thank God for Body Glide. <laughs> I was going to say, I think there's a chafing story there, Michael. You're just trying to show that you're one, you're one of us. You know, you you but, experience chafing as well, maybe just in a little different places. Um. <laughs> PMI Thursday, yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, so I don't know, like how, how different do you think men and women runners are? Do you think there's, do you think the gap is really as big as some people might think? I actually don't. Um, I, I think it really does depend on the individual. Mm-hmm. You know, I think sort of coming into it, I had sort of gender based preconceived notions, um, you know, that, you know, all guys were gung-ho and out to win every single race mm-hmm. and women were a little bit more laid back. And that's totally not the case. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are ultra competitive people of both genders. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, again, I, you know, when I run, you know, with my, my BRFs or my BRC mm-hmm. or my VBRFs, my virtual best running friends, uh, <laughs> you know, Barbara and Robin, um, you know, it's just so good to be out there and, you know, just to, to chat or, you know, during or after and, you know, just sort of, so I think there's that that's very much in common. And, you know, for me, it's really all about, you know, going outside and playing, you know, and just getting some fresh air and, you know, you know, it's kind of like that Snickers commercial, but with running, you know, like my family knows when I haven't gone out for a run in a while. Like, why don't you go for a run? Oh, like the whole, the whole hangry thing that you turn into some other beast and you, then you, and you don't look anything like you look like Dennis Rodman instead of like Michael Goff or something. (laughs) Frightening, but yes. (laughs) Um, Maybe with the Korean summit on my mind, that's why Dennis Rodman. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, you know, I mean, you know, bammers are bammers, you know, and, and it's a pretty broad spectrum. And I think there is definitely a place. For, I, I don't like the BAFR acronym, <laughs> but batter, batter doesn't work for me either. Yeah. But I, I like father runner is good enough. You know, I don't need to be badass. Oh my gosh. You um, are king of the acronyms. I love batter. Badass dad runner. I'm in love with that. <laughs> That's really good. We might have to make a shirt for that. <laughs> well, you know who will buy one. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, Michael, I'm just so glad that finally able to get you on a show. This was a, lo- a ton of fun. So um, that really was. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks guys for having me. Um, that was a ridiculous Father's Day present. So I appreciate it very much. <laughs> oh, good. Well, and happy Father's Day. I hope you have a great yeah, day on Sunday. on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. Well, our final guest is someone I feel I already know, thanks to Twitter. It's David Yonker, or shall I say Reverend David Yonker, a pastor who lives with his family in West Burlington, Iowa. Like me, David ran the 2017 Twin Cities Marathon. Thanks for joining us, David. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. So let's start out with um, kids. Tell us um, ages and numbers of them. Yeah, well, my wife and I, Liz, have two kids. Uh, our son Sam is nine, and he's going to be a fourth grader next year. And our daughter Emmy is uh, four, and she's going into preschool oh. in the in the fall. So uh, two kids keep us pretty busy. Uh, pretty fantastic life. Very nice. And tell us a little bit about your athletic background, how long you've been running and whether or not you did any kind of sports prior to that. Yeah, when I was a kid, um, I played, you know, anything and everything. Um, I played baseball and basketball, a little bit of football. I played lots of golf. Um, In high school, I played um, a little bit of football, but I was like 
like my freshman year, I was like 125 pounds and, you know, playing like defense, uh, having like the big fullbacks coming, running at me. Like the, my, like my main memory from, from high school football was like this feeling sore and bruised and beat up all, all season long. So that was the, that was the end of my big football career. So I, I mostly just played baseball. Um, I played baseball all through high school and then played baseball my first two years of college. Um, so running was like punishment and, you know, it was like what you had to do, you know, if you like missed a ground ball or, you know, to kind of train in, in the off season. And so running was just really kind of not my favorite thing to do. Um, and after I stopped playing baseball, after my sophomore year in college, I kind of vowed never to run ever again. <laughs> um, and then the kind of like, you know, like, like most people who make that vow, um, like after a while my pants didn't fit anymore and it was like okay I should time, time to do something else um I was kind of ran a little bit because my, my my dad was a runner so like I remember kind of trying to jog with him when I was a little kid growing up whenever he would go for runs and so started to kind of run a little bit more my junior and senior year in college and it kind of kept after it a little bit um but then about three years ago my wife Liz ran a half uh, in Madison, Wisconsin, and um, kind of going to watch her and seeing everybody cheering and, you know, just being so excited for her whenever she finished and like, she's crying and like, I'm crying. So I'm so happy for her. And I was like, this is amazing. I, I totally need to do this. And so um, I was kind of signed up for a half after that and kind of been, been running pretty kind of steady um, ever since for the past three or four years. Nice. Nice. We love that, that your wife got you started at that or really is totally gave, gave you that spark. Yeah. That's awesome. She did. So, David, as an avid listener of our podcast, thank you. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you might recall that we did a show about juggling training with non-traditional jobs. Um, and yeah. I imagine the hours a pastor works are not nine to five, especially since you certainly must work on Sunday. Um, so, yeah. so how do you balance the time and, and emotional demands of your job and your congregation with training, especially like marathon training? I mean, like what day do you do your long run on? Yeah, usually um, my my long run has been uh, on Friday mornings. Uh, Friday's my day off. Um, and so I usually do like my kind of hard workout kind of quality stuff on, on Monday. And then, you know, kind of do other stuff throughout the week. And then, and then usually like long run on Friday or Saturday morning. Mm. Um, I found that if I do my long run on Friday, then I can do something kind of recovery on Saturday and then like still be able to walk on <laughs> Sunday morning and like not be like in too much pain. Um but yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, my hours are kind of crazy. Um, you know, lots of evening meetings, um, so some lots of lunchtime things. Um, but running has been a really good, um, kind of outlet for me, especially with, with kind of two young kids at home. Um, I used to play tons of golf whenever our son was young and like played, you know, once or twice a week and, uh, just, just love that. And, um, and like now with kind of, you know, being, being pretty busy with, with, with church things and having young kids, um, running has been really good because I, I do lots of my running early in the morning, you know, 530, I'm usually out the door and kind of get stuff in. Or if I need to squeeze something in, squeeze in a run like at 330 or 4, um, you know, I can run for, you know, however long and then be back, have dinner, shower, and then be able to be at church for, for evening meetings. And so um running is really good to kind of squeeze in you know wherever i can get it mm -hmm. in um and it really is kind of like the perfect sport mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so so 
I, I, I admit that I Googled uh, the town that you live in, and um, it looks to me like kind of what I'd classify as a small town, and you're in what I would say is a high-profile position. So is it ever awkward to run into a parishioner when you're sweaty and out of breath? Yes, <laughs> it is. It is. Um, yeah, I mean, um, you know, there, there's like 40,000 people in our county, you know, like, you know, 25, 28,000 between like West Burlington, Burlington, you know, kind of our, our little area. And so like, you can't go to the grocery store without seeing somebody that, you uh-huh. know, um, yeah, it, it definitely is awkward, you know, seeing people like, you know, I'll, I'll be running down the road and someone will honk mm. and I'm wondering, you know, who in the world is that? And then someone will that church will say, oh, I saw you running down the street the other day. And it's always like, oh my gosh, I hope I wasn't dying whenever they saw me. You're like walking to the stoplight or, you know, standing there waiting for the light to change and, you know, waiting for like another cycle to go by thinking, I'm going to stand here for a little bit longer because I'm really out of breath. I'm just going to wait for a while. Um, yeah, it, it, it definitely is. Um, definitely. It's always, always kind of funny seeing people. Yeah. Well, and so you mentioned that your wife is also a runner. Uh, so how do the two of you balance having a two runner household who trains when and how do you, how do you figure that all out? Yeah. Uh, I'm usually the early morning, um, early morning runner. Um, and then she is like later in the morning. Um, so I can be up and out, um, and home by six, six thirty, Uh, and then, and then she can do her run or she goes to our local gym and meets with a, meets with a trainer. Um, and so I can usually get stuff in before, either before she goes, um, or sometimes like she'll take the, you know, she'll take the morning section and I'll, and on, the, on those days I'll try to get something in over the lunch hour or kind of that late afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, I, f- I found that um, I'm like the best in the mornings or at lunch hour. And like on the days when I have to like wait till three or four to get my run in, I'm like really bad mm-hmm. then. Um, Cause I'm just like tired and I've eaten twice mm-hmm. and I'm just like ready to go home and, <laughs> And, you know, going out to face the humidity at 3.30 in the afternoon is just, is like no fun whatsoever. Exactly. For sure. Do you ever get to run together? Every once in a while. Yeah. Not, not, not too often. Sometimes um, if we're with our families, we'll kind of go to look like a local track and like do some stuff together. Um, but uh, not usually a whole lot. Usually kind of do the things separately. And, but you two, it, um, do you have to decide who gets to be doing a training cycle? That's what Dimity and her husband Grant used to do. I know. And so, oh, so yeah. like I was wondering, because I, as if I recall right from the tweets, so you ran Twin Cities and then, and Liz just, she spectated or did she do any, did she do the 10 mile or something? Yeah, no, at Twin Cities, uh, she was just, uh, she was just the, the uh, chief mom and the uh, spectator. So, uh, our, so our two kids were there and actually my mom and dad came up from Missouri for, for Twin Cities as well. So it was kind of a whole family affair. Um, so, um, yeah, she usually kind of gets to be the, be, be the chief spectator. And then whenever I finish a cycle, then, you know, she'll start a 10, 10K cycle or, you know, she just kind of dreams of, of doing another half someday. Um, or if, you know, I'm, you know, if I'm done with something, kind of taking a little break and I just want to sleep in, then, then, then she'll get up to go and run on, on those days when it might as you fill the space. And so, yeah, it definitely is kind of planning. Okay. When are you going to go tomorrow? I don't know. When, when are you going to go and trying to balance that out? Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I can usually make it out of bed a little bit earlier than, than she mm-hmm. can. And so if it's like, okay, she's going to go at six, then I'm going to get up at four forty five wow. and be out the door at five. And so, um, yeah, we, it definitely is a balancing wow, act. Wow, that's dedication. Um, so then was Twin Cities, was that your first marathon? 
It was my mm-hmm. second, mm-hmm. my second marathon. I ran the Quad Cities Marathon, uh, which is you know on, on the border between Illinois and Iowa, um, two two years ago, three yeah, a couple uh-huh. years ago. Yeah. All right. So you like things that are blank cities marathon. Is that like, you need, you know, there's a, there's a, tri, well, there's a tri cities marathon, perhaps, I don't know out here. And there's the tri cities in Washington state. I don't know. So, yeah. And it's like, I mean, you know, Burlington where we live is, is on the Mississippi. Uh-huh. And like the funniest thing is I, I figured out like after like about a handful of races that like every race I've ever run, that's not like a 5k or something has involved crossing the Mississippi oh. river into like a different state and then crossing back. And so um, you know, like the, like the Quad Cities Marathon crosses from Illinois in, into Iowa. There's a great half um, that I do down in Quincy, Illinois that crosses into Missouri and then back. And like my first half was in down in St. Louis that crosses in Illinois and then back. And, and so then, and then of course, Twin Cities crosses sure. Mississippi, um, you know, and Minneapolis to St. Paul. So it was like, Okay, I need to find a, uh, some race that crosses a river, and then like I'll feel like at home. So. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. My um, yeah. I'd say my dad uh, grew up in the South, and so to him, the he was always the mighty Mississippi. And so, so when yeah. I was uh, when my I was ten, my family and I took a road trip to the South, and um, it was during as my father would say, it was during a drought, uh, otherwise known as a drought. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah. so um, and so the Mississippi was very low, and there was a lot, you know, there was a ton of mud, like the banks were really um, yeah. and. I just was like, that's it. That's the mighty Mississippi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. It's so funny. So, yeah. um, yeah, well you should, uh, go, you know, we're having our, uh, retreat next spring in Eau Claire and that marathon half marathon that yeah. crosses, um, rivers. There's two rivers. It's a confluence of two rivers. They, they cross, uh, you go across 11 bridges in that race. So you'd be, that's yeah, amazing. You'd be getting your fill of them. So, I would feel right, I would feel right yeah, at home. Right, this right. is it. Like, I know how to do this. <laughs> that gradual climb over a bridge. <laughs> I know, and like I think I think my fall marathon this year is going to be Indianapolis, oh. and there's no oh. rivers, and so oh. I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, how did you choose that marathon? How did you choose Indy? Um. So my so my first one in in the Quad Cities, it was like. Um, I think near the end of the race, it was like 87 mm. degrees or something. It was just absolutely awful. It went, and I, it was just, it beat me up and, and it was my first one. And I, I, I looking back on it now, I, I kind of didn't know what I was doing in, in, in my training and it was just, it was just really hard. And so, um, Indianapolis is flat. Like you know, we have friends who live there. And so we kind of know the city. Mm. And so there's not many Hills and it's like November the third. Mm. And so I'm thinking, by that time, it should not be so hot in the Midwest. You've, you've just um, cursed it, Pastor. You've just cursed. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be seventy-five and thousand percent humidity. Yeah. Well, you have a direct yeah. line to you know the the weather control. That's right. So. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I'll see what I can do on that right. day. Yeah, a lot of other marathons counting on you there. That's right. Well, I know. Well, you know, as, as you know, Twin Cities was about as good as it gets. You know, it was cool and rainy, and you know, it was really nice. See, I love that you great. say that was nice because I've heard such pushback. People, oh, it rained. There was rain during it, and I'm like, it was fine. It was all good. Oh, yeah. I told. I totally agree. I totally agree. I mean, it, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't like the sun wasn't beating mm-hmm. down on you the whole mm-hmm. time, and it was. It was nice. It was okay. Yeah, it was okay until the then you cross yeah. the finish line, and then it's like. Okay, I can't move, and it's still raining. <laughs> yes, and you have to walk through the whole shoot to reach your family. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm so cold. <laughs> Try to get onto the shuttle bus back to the hotel. It's like, please let me be able to stand up and walk off the bus. That's that's <laughs> yes. my pride will totally yes. be 
not. <laughs> and, and, and actually, my family stayed in Minneapolis near the starting line. And so we had to take the like the Metro link oh. back from St. Paul to and so it was like a 35 minute train ride. I'm like shivering, shaking, like smiling, so excited. And it was yeah, it was oh. it was really cold. Oh, by my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and like my lovely wife and family, of course, they've been standing in the rain yep. for an hour waiting for me to go by. Oh well, my that's gosh. that's what's tough when it rains in a race is on the spectators. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Can, yeah. Can you imagine the, the diehards who are out there at Boston this year? That's they're the oh. ones who should be getting the medals. Totally. Yeah. 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 Well, great. Well, thank you so much for joining us, David. This has been a, pl- a pleasure yeah. and happy Father's Day to you. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Appreciate yeah, good it. Yeah, l- good luck in Indy, and let's let's hope for those. Uh, let's pray for that good weather. Exactly right. Sixty-five <laughs> for a right, high. Right. Alrighty. <laughs> take care. Thank you. Well, Amanda, I don't know about you, but I just had such fun talking to those guys. I agree. I agree. They added a little bit of um, I don't know what's the word I want. A little bit of spice to our our usual lineup. So yeah, um, yeah. they were just a lot of fun and. Um, it is fun to, to compare, you know, the, the, the daily running routine from, from one partner to the next, you know? Yeah, yeah. I also love that both Michael and David admitted to crying at the end of their first. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, him saying that he cried at his wife's half marathon. That was, oh, my goodness. I love that. I know. All right. Well, you heard me there telling David that he ought to do the Eau Claire Marathon because that's where our spring retreat is. And so, yes. At long last, our retreat registration is opening on Monday, June 18th at 7.30 Pacific Daylight Time. And if you want to know the truth, the reason it's opening then, it's because I have to sort of flip a virtual switch and I don't want to have to, you know, impinge on my workout or get up to extra early or something. So um, so our two retreats that are opening, our 2019 retreats that are opening on Monday, June 18th at 7.30 Pacific Daylight Time are Eau Claire, which is May 3 through 6. It's our, quote, traditional style retreat. It's centered around a race. As I said, in this case, the Eau Claire Marathon Marathon, half marathon, and marathon relay. And that's a Friday through a Monday retreat, which is new for us. We want to be able to um, really celebrate. And also uh, some people at our last retreat, I'm sure you remember Amanda, were saying that they um, couldn't relax until the race was over. So <laughs> this way they get to have some retreat after uh, if they have potential stress during the, for the race. So, and then the other uh, retreat that is opening on Monday, again, June 18th at 7.30 is uh, Rancho La Puerta. And that is our first ever international retreat. It is also our first all-inclusive because it's at the um, very posh, lovely Rancho La Puerta Spawn Resort, which is um, about an hour south of San Diego. And um, that retreat is February 2 through 6, which is a Saturday to a Wednesday and um, you might say that's a little more posh and pampering than Eau Claire is. It's also um, smaller. That maxes out at 25 people, whereas Eau Claire, we are opening that up to 75 people. And I gotta say, based on the interest that we heard of people in Ogden and online, I kind of anticipate them filling up pretty quickly. So um, head over to anothermotherrunner.com on Monday morning, 7.30 Pacific Daylight Time, um, if you want to register for those, and uh, you'll get sent... Um, to a link that you're going to register for Eau Claire in the Mother Runner store. And then with Rancho La Puerta, you um, go to a landing page and it's it's a little different registration process. But um, hope you all um, are intrigued by those and want to join us in Eau Claire and Rancho La Puerta. 
Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles and happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day.